know. Hang on. Uh, it's Wednesday, the, the what is it? 15th of February, the year of our Lord, 2023. And we're back for the third show. This probably won't go out till tomorrow now, but I'm delighted to have my dear friend. It's probably the fourth, fourth fifth time he's been on. The one and only, lovely Mr. John O'Looney. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Plodding on. Um, uh, do you know, every death that comes in, it doesn't um, lessen my desire to get justice. It makes me more determined than ever. So, um, do you know, it, it's, um, yeah. It, it, Everybody, it, just listeners there who might have just found us, uh, I'm speaking to John O'Looney. Uh, John is a uh, funeral director. He's got a family business up in Milton Keynes. And uh, John first came on the show way back I think it was July 2020, John. Yeah, probably. Um, about you came on time. just recently after when the BBC had come to visit you and they asked you to get in a hazmat suit and you saw things and you'd be questioning things that things weren't looking right. And then from there, you're like, that's what I'd like to ask, actually. How has that impacted your life? Because prior to that, I presume you was just raising your family, running your business, doing what you're doing. And then. Yeah, just um, it's been a real, uh, it eats into your time. I'll tell you that, you know, um, before, I mean, it's hard enough running a funeral home anyway. But, um, you know, when you're trying to be a dad and a husband and, and run a busy funeral home and save the world. It's, um, it really is an ask, you know, but I can't, it's not something you can ever switch off from, you know, so I wake up at three in the morning and, you know, somebody's messaged me asking me for help and you want to feel like you want to help them. So I can't, I just can't turn that off. So I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going. You really are like, a pro- you are a hero of our times, John, for everything. No, I don't feel like it, mate. I really don't feel like a hero. But you are though, you know. You, when we first spoke, you'd only just, you know, you just had the stuff with the BBC. I think we, we were one of the first shows. Thank you. Mm. But you came on and, you know, we were discussing how like the, um, what is it? They, um, the funeral director's governing body kind of thing. They were being very awkward with you, uh, making life a little bit difficult, but you were, you stood your ground. You said there were other funeral directors that did feel the same, but they didn't have the guts. How's things now? Well, there's more and more starting to speak out. Um, not all British ones, though. You know, we're getting ones from, uh, so there's a guy called Brenton Faithful, who's a New Zealand-based guy. He's done about 40 years. Um, I believe he's also worked in some sort of capacity as a coroner, but it's a different kind of setup over there, so I'm not quite sure. But um, I've spoken to him in great detail, a real gentleman. You know, I can put you on to him if you want to speak to him. Um, Richard Hirschman, of course, the Alabama-based embalmer, he's um, been very open and, and talking about it now. And I'm in an email exchange with a number of them um, where we're all talk, kind of talking openly um, about things, you know. So, so it's, it's you know, it, it's finally coming out. And I think some of that is because people are realising that staying silent is not going to save them. You know, their time will come as well and their business will be it as well. And, and um, you know, I, I just wish um, more people would, would take that plunge and, and just be a little bit braver. I think a lot of them are sat back to wait and see what happens to me, you know. Um, well, I'm still here and they ain't shut me up yet. And they might have made life difficult, but it won't stop me because I value the lives of children and youngsters um, more than I do my direct debits. Well, this is what we're seeing. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, I'm thought you couldn't come on the last one. We were hoping to get you on for the, ch- uh, 
Public Child Protection Wales, the, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, We're doing another one, actually. Well, April, let me know. Let me know. April the 29th and 30th. All right, let me go and um, put that in my diary. And we've actually been donated. This is incredible, John. We were being donated somewhere to broadcast and a flat, an apartment next door for people who want to come down. I'm going to do it actually in Cardiff. So if anyone wanted to come down, people are going to go out and do interviews on the street. Yeah, good for them. them. Do you know why? Because there's loads of people with a moral compass who sees what's going wrong uh, and um, they want to make a difference, don't they? You know, and it was only ever going to be all of us together. It can't be any one person. All about the children. It's yeah, all, exactly that. There is nothing else. And to stay silent is to be complicit. And yeah, I of course it is. Yeah, whether you, whether you want to be complicit exactly. or not. I don't matter. want to be sitting here. What, yeah, what date was it in April? 29th and 30th. 29th and 30th. So you can spare an hour to come on, or if you fancy a weekend in Cardiff, do we know? Oh, welcome you know to what? I, I, I've got no chance, but I'm going to put Luke Collins... Oh, bless you. Thank in my you. diary. And then um, if you sort it out or whatever. Yeah, you know, we'll sort it out here at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, John, where are we now? You did, you, you went and you've, you've supported Mark Sexton, who, must I say, thank you, Mark. Mark came down to the He's court. He's a gentleman, mate. He's a gentleman. And he would, you know what? He was very quiet. He just came down to show his support. And, I, yeah. you know, we were all so, you know, that Mark Sexton's here and I, where, 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 where? And then it kind of he'd gone, but he actually made that journey to come down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark so, is um is a guy where he's he's not as vocal as me. I don't think. You know, I I tend to throw myself into things more <laughs> guns blazing. He's a little yeah, he's a little bit more um composed than me. But I can tell you, if it wasn't for him, um, I wouldn't be here. So. I'll be forever grateful for him, you know. That's right. um, Tell the story yeah. for those who didn't hear it, because you you nearly had you had a proper near-death experience, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, so so this was uh, I've had a lot of people reach out to me, Lou, yourself in- included. And um one of those was a guy who told me he was from British intelligence. Now he didn't um tell me he was a double oh seven or anything like that, and he was very compelling. He was an older guy and he was in communications, he was a comms officer. And he um, rung me up to tell me that what I said was correct uh, and also to warn me that I'd be targeted as a person of interest. So um, he'd seen my name mentioned um, and that's as deep as he went. And, you know, I totally get that because it was an open phone line. So anyway, three weeks later, despite dressing people for who were labelled with COVID for, you know, 18 months uh, that back at that time, I, I suddenly fell ill. Um, I'd never worn a mask or anything like that. You know, I'd never been jabbed. Um, and I suddenly felt really, really poorly. Um, and it felt as though I'd been poisoned or burnt. I did. It wasn't a natural feeling illness, you know. So anyway, I ended up where I had an ambulance called because I couldn't get my breath and um, went to hospital. The um, paramedics turned up at the house and it consisted of a team of three people. There were two big guys who were very nice, to be honest with you. They were very, um, they were obviously the muscle, you know, for carrying people out of properties and stuff. Uh, and um, there was a very sadistic little paramedic girl. Now, as soon as she come in the house, she started attacking me. So she'd obviously, on the way there, looked at my vaccine status and came in all guns blazing, telling me I was an idiot and, and, um, uh, I should be ashamed of myself and I, you know, I should know. And it's people like me keeping it alive and it's your own fault. And, you know, I said, what, you know, what are you going on about? You know, I'm an undertaker. I know exactly who's dying and I know who's presenting to you. And then she shut up. 
you know, because she didn't know I was an undertaker. And um, anyway, they conveyed me to the hospital, um, got into the hospital, went into triage. It was totally empty. I was the only one in there, despite them reporting how snowed under they are. There was no one in the hospital. So I was seen straight away by this little uh, European nurse. She was lovely, bless her. And she took um, three lateral flow tests. All of them were negative, you know. So she said to me, you don't have COVID. I said, to be honest, I said, I think I might have been poisoned or burnt by something you know um so anyway that was early hours of the morning they transferred me put me on a covid ward anyway lo and behold and um in the morning i had a consultant sit on the end of the bed now he said to me i'm here to save your life from covid so i kind of said to him all right i said have you looked at my notes and he said um yes yes i said then you'll know that i haven't got covid because i've had three of your tests these are the tests that you are putting the elderly on palliative care on the basis of are you telling me the tests are not correct? Or, or oh, oh, um, um, and he started backtracking and losing his train of thought, you know. So he said, well, we just want to make sure, you know. I said, okay. I said, you tell me how you're going to make sure that I don't die from COVID. I haven't got. Um, and he said to me, uh, well, we want to start you on remdesivir. So I said, no, you can forget it. I said, I'm not having it. Mm-hmm. And he said, why? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, I'll Google the side effects because I took my tablet in with me, you know. I said, I'll Google the side effects of remdesivir while you tell me what the clinical benefits to me are as a respiratory patient, yeah? Um, And he couldn't. He just got up and he walked away. I I said, oh, hang on. Difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, kidney function, liver function, wheeziness, tight chest. How is that going to help me as a respiratory patient? Um, And, and, you know, when I was picking these COVID, COVID patients up, from hospital and they were in sealed body bags they were swimming in fluid and i could never understand it because i've been a funeral director for 16 years and i've never ever seen this amount of fluid in deceased people you know you do get one occasion yeah, what, in the body bag like it was they were swimming literally swimming it and when i'd open the body bag up um they were crying oh, yellow yeah. tears the yellow tears coming out of them and out of their nose and out of their ears, yellow fluid. And I could never understand why. And I do now. So what happens is, is that people go into hospital for minor ailments, right? And they're spam testing them with PCR tests, desperate to get a positive test. As soon as they get a positive test, they move them onto a COVID ward. They ventilate them if they can get away with it. And they treat them with a drug called remdesivir. Now, remdesivir knackers their kidneys, so their kidneys die and then they can't process fluid. So then their body fills up with fluid to the point where they're literally unrecognizable. Their face is all bloated. They're weeping from every orifice. And inevitably, their um, body cavity, their lung cavity fills up with fluid because their kidneys are dead. And then they suffocate. And there's your respiratory death. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's happening with remdesivir. And for anyone who don't believe it, have a look into um, when Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the the demon, demon. human in human form, the man whose name literally translates to sickle. So put Fauci. What does what does the name Fauci mean? It actually means sickle. Right. So um, he went into Africa and he took his beloved remdesivir with him. And the idea was he was going to treat. Ebola babies with Ebola, African babies with Ebola. So these babies had to be a week old and 3.5 kilograms in weight. He tested them with PCR tests. Sound familiar? All these babies were asymptomatic. So that sound familiar? Yeah. 
Yep, and he treated them with remdesivir. And the mortality rate in these African babies was 53%, and that was from kidney failure and liver failure due to the remdesivir. And that's exactly all of a sudden now it's a treatment for COVID, you know, and lo and behold, all these people are dying and they're all coming out in body bags swimming with fluid because their kidneys have died. So you know? has this been presented with more of the evidence that... They won't listen. They just don't listen. They just plough on regardless. They don't make clinical decisions in hospitals. They follow government policy. Okay. I've been told that by more than one doctor and even by the chief coroner of England. I spoke to the chief coroner of England in an email exchange and got a four-word reply. We follow government policy. So anyway, this uh, this consultant um, stood up and he just left. I'm only doing what I'm told uh, and just walked away. And then about three or four hours later while I was in hospital, I had a lady sit on the end of the bed, very skinny, very manic. She, was, um, she didn't look me in the eye at any time during an eight- or ten-minute conversation. She was looking at the floor, the walls, the ceiling, no eye contact at all. She was painfully thin and she was very – she oozed guilt. She obviously wasn't comfortable. Um, she introduced herself. I can't remember her name. Um, but she said she was from Oxford University. And and she, I'm here to save you from COVID. The exact same line, almost like it's come out of a handbook of yeah, coercion. World yeah. Economic Forum handbook of coercion, you know. Uh, um, anyway, she said, I'm here to save you from COVID. So I said, I ain't got COVID. I said, have you not even looked at my, you know, why would you offer me drugs when I ain't got COVID? Oh, oh, well, we just want to be sure. Is that same bullshit? So I kind of said to her, okay, then I said, well, you tell me how you're going to save me then. Um, so she said, well, we want to offer you two drugs. You'll need to sign a waiver to be given them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wanted me to sign a waiver for any um, responsibility. Yeah, yeah, you know when you're like, so I said, what, my life? own death sentence. Yeah, yeah, life-saving medicine, but I need to sign a waiver. I said, what are these life-saving medicines then? So she said, one was called baricitinib. So baricitinib, baricitinib. Um, Google it and you'll see difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, wheeziness, tight chest, um, kidney function. You know, it, it, all the things that are going to kill you if you're a, a respiratory patient. So I said, well, what's the second drug? And she said, um, to toxilizumab. Uh, um, so it was baricitinib and toxilizumab. And I could only be saved if I signed a waiver. And um, the side effects are difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, wheeziness, tight chest, shallow breath. You know, when you're like you, I said, are you insane? I said, why would you even offer me that? I said, tell me how that's going to benefit me as a respiratory patient. Oh, oh, um, uh, 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 well, I'm only doing what I'm told. You know, I'll come back tomorrow and see how you feel. I said, no, don't bother. And then I realised then, you know, if I never got out, what they wanted was the death of a prominent anti-vaxxer from COVID. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, I'm too strong, mate. I'm too strong. Uh, and I had too much about me. So whatever it was they zapped me with, they didn't quite give me enough um, and because I had too much. I was too assertive. And I went in there armed with the truth. Um, and, and I've got a good network of people um, that I could reach out to. And, and thankfully, Mark um, Sexton uh, and uh, uh, a doctor, who I'm not going to name because I'll only pursue him, yeah. Uh, came in he advocated for me medically and um you know i'll be forever grateful for everyone that was involved in that because um it certainly did save me because um i demanded i be discharged and i had a three-hour battle then you know um where they <laughs> yeah they physically restrained me from leaving the hospital they called 
two security guards and um I kind of said, oh, we'll have you arrested, they said. And I said, on what grounds? I said, you're a Muppet. I said, this is an hospital room. I said, this ain't a fucking prison. What yeah. do you think you're doing? I said, I know my rights. Um, and in the end, they had no no choice but to let me go. But they hated it. You know, they even rung my missus. Um, it was a consultant called Dr. Darry Pally. Consult Mr. Darry Pally because he's a consultant. And he, he told my missus that if she didn't sign me in, I would die within minutes of leaving. Yeah, scumbags, you know, trying to frighten the girl. Well, and I, I kind of, you you don't realise the position it puts you in because my missus was frightened. Ooh. You know, if, if I left and I did die, my, would my family blame her? And you know what I mean? And Ooh. I said, no, I said, trust me. I said, I won't die. I'll be fine. And uh, I never even needed oxygen. I walked out there under my own steam and made a full recovery. You know, no thanks to Milton Keynes Hospital. So I put a complaint into Powell's and was totally ignored. They didn't even respond. I know they got the email because I put read receipt on it. And then um, I'd uh, someone uh, I've recounted the story a few times. And there's a girl who works at Milton Keynes Hospital called Kate Jarman, and she's the media officer. Officer, and she's on Twitter. And um, somebody uh, linked my one of the interviews I'd done describing what had happened. Oh, it's totally untrue. It's you know we will pursue with the full vigor of the law and so i i emailed her i waited a few weeks to see if any any letters come through then i emailed her and i cc'd in about 30 doctors um amongst them were dolores kale dr tess laurie sukrit bakti mike Eden, mark sexton all of them you know and uh and i welcomed having a chat with her you know and she won't even respond she's gutless absolute gutless excusable woman and um yeah yeah they should be disgusted with herself but they're too busy taking the money, aren't they? You know, they've sold their souls. So what's happening is, is people are, let me, um, so, so I, I, I want to try and tell people what to avoid. So if you go into hospital, I, um, and this was something I sussed early on was, um, I was getting people coming in and they saying, well, mum died in hospital from COVID, but she didn't have COVID when she went in there. And I can't, I couldn't understand how they're all catching it. Only in the hospital environment, you know, and and this is what it was. What they were doing was spam testing these people with PCR tests on forty-five cycles. You know, look into the science behind that. Any anything over twenty, you can find COVID in a tennis shoe. Do you know what I mean? It's ridiculous, (laughs) mate. It's really you know. I'm looking to carry Mullis in the PCR test and what it was developed for. You know, it weren't developed for Ebola and it weren't developed uh, for COVID. So. They're getting people in there. They're spam testing them until they get a positive result. And then they're coercing them into being ventilated and taking remdesivir, which then kills them. And all the while, every stepping stone, ventilation, um, they're getting big payouts. So they get payouts for a positive test. They get payouts uh, in the hospitals, get paid for, uh, for a COVID you- death. GPs are getting paid to, to jab children. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I've ripped so, my GP apart. Yes. I, well, I've had to go. I literally, I those bucks still coming in. I bet it's not doing as well as you thought it would be. Do you know what? They're scumbags, mate. They get paid. They get paid ten pound a jab. Um, they get ten pound a jab. Yeah, and twelve fifty for kids, and they all kicked off because they wanted more. Now they can do a hundred a day tax free. So they can earn five grand a week for a five-day week poisoning people. Now, these same people are then presenting to them with a range of ailments from myocardia um, to death, you know, or stroke or heart attack, sometimes within days. And they're still doing it and taking the money. And their excuse is going to be what we heard in Nuremberg. Oh, I was only doing what I was told. There's no excuse now. No, there's no excuse at all. But they've... 
they, um, you know, they're not following their Hippocratic Oath at all, although it's been changed a couple of times, revised. I think instead of um, saying we will do no harm is we will follow the science, I think it is now. Exactly. Um, yeah, scumbags. Obviously, we've been doing a lot with, you know, what's going on in the classroom. I'm really focused on this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are now seeing uh, in America and here, because the Tavistock was was undergoing it, um, going with doing the full surgery for pre-pubescent, pre-pubescent, bloody hell, um, children going under having their genitals cut off or having their breasts cut off. Um, we're seeing suicides going up, the rates going up. Um, we're guilty if we're white and we are straight. That's just yeah. the oh, white privilege, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you had um, you had four We've or five black policemen kill a black lad, didn't they? And that was white privilege, apparently. John, you know, as I keep saying, and I said it on two shows, the second you get labelled racist, yeah, homophobic, transphobic, white supremacist, you've won. Yeah, I don't care. I'll be honest with you. You've got to lay. You've got to install moral compass and values into your kid before they go to school so can they, they can resist the poisoning. And my lad comes home constantly and says, oh, the crap they taught today, Dad. The crap they taught today, Dad. So they had an assembly at my lad's school. He's 12. He's in year seven. And they had a, an assembly. They called them all in. Deadly serious. It's all about Andrew Tate, the misogynist. Do you know, these oh, people don't even... Yeah, the whole, the whole year they called him in. They don't even know what fucking misogyny means. And he's misogynist, you know. And then I say, well, what does misogyny mean? I I don't want to go there and stomp (laughs) off, you know. So they told all the kids. And now let me tell you this. A 12-year-old kid, they're like Minecraft, YouTube, Roblox. They're not even interested in Andrew Tate. But what they've done is in their attempts to desperately discredit him, every kid's gone home and looked up Andrew Tate and then listening. Yeah, do you know they're fucking muppets, mate. Honestly, I do. You, we're having these conversations. Oh God, you know, yeah, you know, having... like these people are sick. Well, uh, these people are walking around. These they're drag time story hours. You know, our children are being taught that two men can have a baby. Yeah, yeah, right. No. I want to. Uh, do you know what? I want to be. Why a are we having this? Co- the, what, do you know what I mean? This, just, this... Let me tell you, right. Let me tell you, Lou. I want to be a cat. I can dress like a cat. I can put cat makeup on. I can dig holes in someone's garden and shit in their garden. I'm never going to be a cat. No, no, John, 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 wait. Did you know, we talked about this in the last show I did. Do you know, in America, they've started bringing cat litters into the classroom because some children identify as cats. I kid you not. (laughs) Well, um, do you know what? More fall down. If they do that in my kid's school, my kid will be out of the school. That's it. Out. What they're doing, though, that the psychological damage they're doing onto these little ones. You know, why do little ones need to know about sex? Why do little ones need to know about penises, vaginas? They don't need to no, know. They don't. They no, they don't. No. That's money. something you discover as you grow up, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And at yeah. least until, you know, you're nine, ten. You don't want any. You don't need these words. But where I want to go to, John, is the suicide rates are apparently going up. Um, you know, not only because of obviously the lockdown, but now we've got this very lot of confused generation yes. um, believing that there are seventy genders. Have you seen and have suicides gone up with the with the people that? You- yeah, I think suicides went up really from um, the moment they did the lockdown because yeah. they were destroying people's livelihoods. 
you know, uh, and um, destroying their businesses and and financially ruining them. They were losing their houses, their cars, and and whatever else. So, um, I remember going to the local hospital um, and being told the suicide rate's gone up through the roof. You know, and I've obviously ended up these poor people have filtered through the funeral home as well. And yeah, the numbers are up, but but you know what, what surprises there in that? You know, it's uh, when you, especially when you think you know what we've been through as um, being labelled anti-vaxxers. You know, we were lepers, weren't we? We should have all started wearing yellow stars and stuff like that, the Star of David, yeah. you know, because that's how we were. We were ostracised, criticised, demonised, bullied, you know, um, told we couldn't go here, we couldn't go there. And, you know, I think uh, these anti-vaxxers now have proved their worth. They're the, probably the best in society because they've resisted this great tyranny and um, they've probably saved their lives without realising yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what's what, what's happening with you now, John? Have you um, are you still doing a lot of, a lot of media? Um, are you getting attacked still? Yeah, I still get the odd nutter ring up and and say, um, oh, Doctor John, you know, and I say, Well, no, you know, I'm an undertaker, and and um, you know, then they hang up, scream abuse down the phone, and hang up. But it's like I think three or four in the last six months, um, and I kind of laugh it off, and it tells me how in depth indoctrinated they are that. They don't want to have an open, calm, normal discussion with me and say to me, well, why do you feel like that? You know, because I'm happy to sit down and tell them, you know. You have been. You've told anybody. I, I, mate, I'm, I challenged the BBC to come in here and have an open, televised debate. In fact, it was interesting. When I left the hospital, it took me about four weeks to get back to full strength. And I came back to work and the phone rang and it was uh, Free Counties Radio, BBC outfit. And he said, oh, hi, John. He said, so-and-so from BBC, Free County. I said, oh, hi. I said, how can I help? He said, oh, we want to talk to you about your COVID experience. I said, you don't. He said, well, well what do you mean? I said, because you won't broadcast what I will tell you. And then I basically told him what I told you. And uh, he said, oh, um, I just need to speak to my producer. And he went away and he come back and he said, well, what we'll do, we'll come into the um, funeral home and we'll do a pre-recorded interview. So I said to him, all right, then. And what, what I'll do is said, I'll film that interview just to keep it well balanced. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, um, and I never heard from him again. You know, so they were desperately trying to salvage anything they could out of nailing me um, and trying to nail me. Uh, but like I say, I, I had too much about me and I was too determined and I, I had a, a good support network. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, I'm still here. Yeah. And what about media wise? I mean, have you have you had... Uh... You know, where, where, where's it going? Because, you, you know, you, you did a little bit with Mike Eden. Didn't yeah, to, you? To be honest, yeah, to be honest with you, I I, um, I doubt Sir Graham Brady will ever speak to me again because I broke their golden rules. So they've got um, a, a, a thing called Chatham House Rules where if you have a meeting, yeah. it's private. And basically what it is, you can spot, conspire to commit crime and, and nobody can ever talk about it. So you can't get nailed. It's like one rule for the elite. If me and you do it, it's conspiracy. Yeah. But they can do it. And, and if you announce this Chatham House Royals, well, when I went to that meeting, um, I wasn't told about that until I got there. So it, to my mind, um, I never attended on that basis because I my, my feeling is Chatham House Royals is fine if you want to forge foreign policy or you want to cut a big business deal and, you know, get your pre presentation ready. But when you're talking about the lives of kids and women and babies and no nah, bollocks to so what was discussed then? Um, so basically, um, when we went there, we all had about 10 minutes with Sir Graham Brady to tell him our concerns in our relative fields. And obviously I was there 
in the um in the role as a role in a of a funeral director and i knew what i wanted to say and i said it in about five minutes told him what i'd seen and what i'd heard and the way they relabeled everyone as a COVID death who wasn't. And, and that's even been reported now. There's been a few papers that have, I saw an article today that was mentioning these people in care homes, you know, they were being called COVID deaths. They'd never even had a test, you know? So um, anyway, I, I sat and told him that. And then I listened to what others said. Um, and I sat there in disbelief, you know, I couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, one of the things they came out with, is, uh, Mike Yeadon was there from Pfizer. The former CEO of Pfizer, uh, crazy, yeah, Professor Delo. I was sitting there with people that I'd only ever read about, you know. And um, the, the general feeling was that anyone who's had an active ingredient um, is going to be very poorly and perhaps die. And that's going to happen between years two and five post-vaccine. And they went into um, explaining the science behind that in layman's terms so that, you know, those of us who are not scientists could kind of understand it. And I sat there in disbelief. You know, there was talk about children um, being sterilised as a result of the side effects, recognised side effects in these vaccines. And uh, I just I sat there in disbelief. And it was interesting because why everyone was talking, everyone was focused on whoever was talking. But I only watched Sir Graham's face because watching his face told me what I needed to know about yeah. him his reaction. Um, and do you know what? He looked like he, he couldn't get out of there quick enough. He knew, he knew. And it was felt in the room, you know, he, he, the meeting went from two o'clock till half past three and he stayed till four o'clock purely because he couldn't get out. And, and, um, Sukarit Bhakti, um, Dr. Sukarit Bhakti, God bless him. He was ranting with anger and rage because this man is a world renowned expert. He's the one that everyone goes to for advice. And he knew, he knew the gravity of what they were doing and what was going to happen to these poor people that had been vaccinated. But again, you know, if you tell, if you let, I left that meeting, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And I wanted to tell everyone. And, um, you know, I, you tell your own family and they just don't believe you. They just like, you know, it's, um, I think they're starting to come around now. Certainly my mum won't be having any more and realises the mistakes she's made. But my brother, I haven't spoken to him for ages. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it is what it is, and I've kind of got to the stage now where I'm not wasting any energy trying. No, there's no that's that no, we can't. I've got too many people to try and save to waste exactly. energy on those that are indoctrinated. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what can you? Where can you see things going with, say, Hancock and Whitty and Johnson? The only way we're going to get justice with them is if we collectively demand it, and it's a numbers game, and we need more numbers. So with that in mind, everything like people are allowed, they trialed out these 15 minute cities. They did them in all the university towns. So now that's that sets the precedent that Britain wants it. You know, they've done it in the wokest towns. We've now got this central bank digital currency. We've now got we've now got this consultation that's going on to the end of March. I think the the other thing you're going to see soon is an Internet outage, I believe, at some point. And they're going to say it's a terrorist attack, probably blame it on Putin. And they're going to um, insist that we have a digital ID to log on, is yeah. what I feel. Um, I think God's in control. And I think things like we've, we've, our Dems gone, Sturgeon yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder because these people are not stupid. They know the difference between right and wrong. They know that what they're doing is very, very wrong. And I would imagine the burnout rate and doing something inherently evil must be immense. 
And so we've got Epstein's flight list that, you know, look, suddenly we've got balloons, UFOs. Keep your eye off yeah, 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 the yeah. Epstein's flight list. Oh, um, do you know what? It's laughable. You know, <laughs> someone's got the technology to come across the galaxy like years when and get shot down by an F-22. No. I don't think so. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's laughable. But well, I think they're, they're dipping their toe in the water to see what crap people believe, aren't they? And then build on it, I guess. Um, they're never going to – I wouldn't believe a word these people said now. In fact – to my mind now, whatever the mainstream media reports, the polar opposite is the truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we are starting to have more and more people stand out. I mean, we've got uh, Richard Vobes has suddenly hit hit the, hit the screens, like he's really hit the movement, uh, Richard Vobes. And, and Neil Oliver, look at the change from the little quiet coast guy to go around talking about, you know, coastal towns of England. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And this we is got, the thing. I think there's a great awakening, isn't there? And everyone sees it. Um, yeah, and they, and they see time. it. As well. well, they see it as well. Yeah. You know, they see it. And I think, um, and therein lies the, the problem, is that they're going to up their game now. It's a desperate race, isn't they, to try and shut us all up. Yeah. I mean, it, I think, before the masses wake up. I mean, we've got GB News, sadly, owned by, owned by BlackRock. Oh, it's, that yeah. was only ever the um, kind of like the UKIP of the media, wasn't oh, it? Oh, exactly. Yeah, they've just it's... gone, you know, ex-BBC. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm amazed Lawrence Fox is still, he got show. Okay, Mark Stein's gone. So it's just, it's teetering on now Neil Oliver and uh, Lawrence Fox. For the yeah, one of course, really... of course. And, and, and the idea is to placate people, isn't it? To drip feed a little bit of truth, to placate people, make them think something's going to happen. And then when the reality is nothing, and I, I said this all along, the only people that are going to save us is us. And we've got to do that collectively. And we've got a network and we've got to organise so that when they do turn the, the internet off, we can all collectively say no, bollocks, you know, and, and go from there. Non-compliance. I ain't saying go out and start smashing things up. But certainly, you know, in, enshrined in British law is is your right as a human being to defend yourself relative to the threat that you face. Well, I don't think there's any more serious threat than, than death, you know. So um, it'd be very interesting to see what happens when they roll these 5G towers out, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one question I ask is where is, with regards to the kids and, you know, the what little four-year-olds and five-year-olds are having to be exposed to, mm. where are the fathers? Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. I watched um, going to school yeah. and you've got a woke person because let's face it, all these teachers coming out of uni, they've been totally indoctrinated. Yeah, of course. But they're coming out. And you've got these woke people with certain agendas, and they are sitting there with your child discussing sex and to tell grooming. them, yeah, grooming them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you not be down that school within two minutes. Uh, well, I'm very fortunate in that my the apple don't fall far from the tree for me, and my boy's twelve. He's too strong. Yeah, but for instance, yeah, I'm just for a four or five year old, it must be horrific. Um, I dread to think, and and um, certainly if you've got the ability to take your kids out of school, take them out. Why would you not take them out? Because they're being groomed. They're being groomed in our schools, and until we see significant change, the school is not a fit place for a child to be in. I'm sorry. You know, not when they're taking transgenders into schools and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's, it's not normal. Yeah, it's not normal, is it? And, you know, we've got NHS um, people now taking breast tissue off six-year-olds. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's unforgivable. Um, then those six-year-olds will suddenly become 16 and they've hit puberty and they've, you know, they've been indoctrinated. Yeah, it's when I was five, I wanted to be a footballer and then I wanted to be an astronaut and then I want to be a girl and then a boy. 
And then, uh, you know, it's you and then a pop star, and you change your mind every week. You know, does that mean you should be well, mutilated by adults who are supposed to be looking after you? No, they're sick. Now, we were talking earlier. We've also, we've now all of a sudden, John, we have apparently this month's Pride Month, but I thought it was June or July, but now apparently... The, this LGBTQ lot have got a celebration practically every month of the well, year. I won't be so part of that celebration. You know? Just horrendous. Yeah, I mean, neither, will, neither will my child. None it's of everywhere, my though, involved. John. You can't go to the super. You go to a cash machine and it's LGBTQ. You yeah. go to the... You go oh, to the even your police cars, they're all rainbow-coloured, yeah. you know. Even it, it's, um, you've just got to... All, all you've got to do is make a conscious effort to totally blank it out and ignore it uh, and, um, you know, not my, they don't get my consent. I would never recognise a man dressed as a woman nor a woman dressed as a man. Never. never. Uh, never no, no. Never. Yeah, and they can, um, they can say whatever they like. Um, you know, it, it's um, never going to convince me. It's never going to sway me. So what's next then for you, John? Um, well, I'm just going to keep looking after the people that I'm looking after, bless them, you know. So, um, and and I suppose the only positive you can draw from this, this really, as a funeral director, is it, it's um, there's plenty of work for us, you know, thanks to the evils that these people have done. I think as people get touched by it and they lose people in their 20s and 30s and 40s in their families, they are waking up. I'm getting uh, I mean, these sudden deaths. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It was the same with no, that. It doesn't. Yeah, no, it never That's does. The point. But, how long will it take before they normalise it, I wonder? You know, it's the sudden inter- infant death syndrome that they were, you know, which miraculously came after the autumn flu mist. Yeah. See, have you had any, res- you know, have you had any deaths from SIDS coming through the home? Yeah, I've had, um, uh, I've, oh. yeah, I've had seven-year-old in, 16-year-old in, um, in the last six weeks. Um, oh. But we only work on a small on a small kind of uh, amount, you know, we don't do the numbers that the big players do. I don't doubt there's, um, uh, and I know certainly the, the the child that we had in, a brother was also vaccinated and he was taken ill as well. Um, yeah, it is what it is. You know, I've been saying the same thing for 18 months now. I sat four feet from Sir Graham Brady um, and he admitted it's above his pay grade. The most powerful man in British politics said it's above his pay grade to a room full of us. You know, what don't people understand? Those governments don't run countries. It doesn't matter whether it's Labour. Yeah, it's it's two sides of the same coin. They're all funded by the WEF and they're all picked, hand-picked puppets, you know. Um, And even Labour, he's admitted, hasn't he? He, You know, he'd rather um, go under the the World Economic Forum than he would the guidance of his own people. It's the whole thing has to be scrapped. They're done, you know, this whole political parties, the whole thing. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think go. we need to look at um, perhaps voting for policy now rather than politicians, because if we all pick half a dozen policies, policies and then we vote for them, um, you know, policy can't be corrupted. Politicians clearly can. So you should say that because there is something in the making going on about that, actually. Yeah, there's time for change, mate. We've got to get rid of them. Resume. Yeah, we've got, we, we've got to get rid of them. Otherwise, um, if we don't, they're going to destroy us. They're certainly going to destroy Europe. It's well underway, isn't it? Totally, totally. Well, I think things is, I mean, this is a spiritual battle that we're under at the moment. So, you know, it's a, it's a battle between good and evil. These people are evil. Look at look what, look what we had to be succumbed to with the Grammys, with that Sam Smith. Yes. Look, at, look at the Super Bowl with that absolutely disgusting, 
disgusting display of Rhiannon. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've seen the Lady Gaga video. Yeah, with a girl vomiting all over her. And, you know, it's interesting because I remember a time not that long, long, long ago. Well, I say not that long. I'm 55 now, but maybe 20, 30 years ago. Frankie Goes to Hollywood brought out that song Relax and there was uproar. And they wouldn't play it on any of the BBC stations and because of the lyrics. And and now um, they just glorify Satan, satanic practice. You can vomit on each other. And they've got programs on telly where people get their vagina and their dick out. And it's ridiculous. How can, you know, what's happened to the moral compass? You know, who wants to watch a program on telly with 12 birds uh, or girls standing there getting their vagina out and, and the camera panning across them all and they're all discussed, you know, uh, and 12 penises. You know, that's not normal. That's not what normal society does. Um, but that seems to be the case now. And, and um, you know, I can't believe that people just don't turn their fucking TV off. I don't watch TV at I all. I don't either. My TV's plugged into the computer. Exactly that. It's... it's um, but the sickness, the level of sickness, you know, um, and Sam Smith, oh, my God, what a two and eight. Look what at him. Exactly. He looks like a rolled pork belly, don't it? It's terrible. What, does he, what do they have on him? Or what, what is he so desperate for? I really don't know, because this was okay. a guy who was like a suit and tie normal guy. And he's just completely, almost like he's had a mental breakdown of some description. Did say he was on the X Factor? That's where he started, apparently. I really don't know. But to be honest, when you look at photos of what he was and what he's become, I mean, I listened to, um, there was a, a, something on Twitter where he was talking about Fisher them. Yes, you know, yes. What a twat. What is he going on about? You know, Fisher twat. He, he's, you know, what's he talking about? He's just double talk, rubbish, babble. You know, and I can't believe they're giving Absolute him that. Absolute nonsense. And we have yeah. conversations about this. It's just, and people are getting arrested for calling a bloke dressed up as a woman a bloke. Yeah, but that's what they are. They're a bloke. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Uh, and until I see cockles laying eggs, um, you know, a bloke is a bloke and a woman is a woman. Like and I said. Got, we've got, John, we've got that drag queen story hour. But somebody who wants to go and have, um, do a story time about Jesus is refused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now that Jesus is no longer a man, is he? It is. Oh, so, yeah, it's a girl now, apparently. Or not a non-binary. No, yeah, you know when you're like, what the fuck? Get it right. Yeah. So even the church has sold itself to the devil. You exactly. know, and they're yeah. saying that, yeah, God's, God's non-binary and he agrees with, with mixed marriages. I mean, if this doesn't say to people... For God's sake, get your act together. This is a spiritual battle. It really is. And I think, um, but the thing is, because they're panicking now and they're becoming more and more outrageous, they're actually showing their hand. Yes. You know, so I don't think it'll be too long. I keep wondering when they're going to start make open references to Satan, you know. Uh, are they going to start promoting Satanism and... They probably did over the weekend, didn't they? I don't know. I don't even listen to it. I mean, I, I listen to the radio if I stumbled across it in the van on the way to work, you know, or if you I You come up with some bloody great stuff. I tell you, I love watching your Twitter because, all right, what's happened today? Let's just go to John's page. Just go to John's <laughs> <laughs> well, Do you know what? It's just regular life, isn't it? It's just regular, normal life. And I think that's what people can relate to. Yeah. He's a, he's a normal fella, a normal bloke. You know, the fact I'm a funeral director... And you've been so open all these years as well. You know, oh, why would you not? Why, you know, why, 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 know. You know, why would you lie? You know, a lot of people wouldn't put themselves out there the way you have, John. And honestly, I've got no choice. I've got, I've got a child and you've got children. Exactly. I, I'll, do it, I'll do it for you and all. Exactly. Exactly, John. Ditto. Well, 
um, where's the best place to find you? So there's a couple of places. Obviously, if you um, if you need a chat or you want advice or I, c- I can help, give me a call at the funeral home, which is Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. You can do a Google search. You'll find me on there. Um, on Telegram, I'm on um, uh, a Telegram group I set up for people about 12 months ago. It's well over 4,000 something now. And that's called Oasis Fidelis. What, what, why did you choose that name? I've, I, I've never asked you that. Well, do you know, Fidelis, I quite like Latin quotes. Um, in fact, to the phrase that I try and live by is one called Temet Noski, and it means know thyself. Um, and it basically equates to you can bullshit anyone, but you know yourself. So be truthful to yourself. Um, and, and Fidelis, I love Latin. It's the be- most beautiful language. And Fidelis is friends and Oasis is an oasis so it's an oasis of friends yeah it's probably didn't do me any favors because i've had loads of people saying we can't find you anywhere because they're looking for me by name but it's oasis fidelis so you know when you join they will um they'll ask you to verify you're human etc because we've had loads of people try and um spam it and ruin the group you know they won't do it because i've got real committed admins so i challenge you to ruin it you never will because these people live it um yeah i've got really good people helping me you know one in particular called damo who's brilliant admin and he don't devote so much of his time bless him um yeah so there's a lot of people there. there's there's all sorts of advice you can get and support and it's just an oasis for people to get out of the madness and feel that they're amongst good friends you know absolutely absolutely john o'looney thank you as always for coming back and talking to me uh, it's always a pleasure it's always a pleasure Lovely. and we'll see you on april over the like hopefully talk to you one of those yeah, days yeah. Well, well it's in my diary so if you reach out to me let me know what you've got free you know slot wise and I'll, I'll work around you bless you all right darling bye you bye. take care it's been lovely bye. speaking to you again god bless Take care. Bye-bye. God bless. With these tales of the unexpected, you set your despots to press desperate peasants and neglect to mention intentions and the direction we're heading in. No question, rejection, unrelenting acceptance. No connecting the dots, no detecting the wrong. Just electing these bots, representing the zog, the blood and the mob. Got on the same squad, hold your gob, grow old and rot, hold up in your pod. Divide and rule and deride the poor, amplify the wolves, disguised in wool. Allies are at war for an ideological cause, ecological norms and mythological stories. Endorse, supportive of both Labour and Tories. Explore deep sources, of course, they join forces. Seal, watch real, keep you feeling fearful, look beyond your nose and what you see in the news. Make your choice, select from the ballot a same voice. With respect, fair and balanced, make sure them to challenge fake frauds reinforcing the narrative no i don't need the globalist elite no i don't speak to the globalist elite they're total overreach the globalist elite the psychopathic freaks the globalist elite the long walk through the institutions that zoom is confused in reclusive amusement from the womb to the tomb consuming this lunacy a ruse by the few excuse my impunity a ruse the news who's approving these cues intrusive rulers and exclusive groups reducing you to human computers clueless tutors indoctrinate new students who complicate truths to frustrated youths marxist narcissists targeting schools subversive taboos introduced in classrooms communist recruits stalin approved these ludicrous pawns the system has spawned spewing vicious vitriol with their mission and goals playing the victim persistently in the slippery slope the lame tape became woke and stoking choke take your choice 
Select from the ballot a same voice With respect, fair and balanced Make sure you elect them to challenge Fake frauds reinforcing the narrative No, I don't need the globalist elite No, I don't speak to the globalist elite They're total overreach, the globalist elite They're psychopathic freaks, the globalist elite Lamestream media bias in the light to paedophile Same team, same writer, same belief, same finance Conveying erasure through arranged state providers of disinformation Syndicated corporations dictated by NATO and United Nations World Economic Forum and the Bilderberg Group To name but a few Real world suits resolute in the pursuit of a system reboot So division between groups with the onus on you To feel guilt, nil with zeal in a surreal ordeal Civil service and old bill, complicit controlled shit for technocrats and politicians with atrocious ideals Mass hypnosis through film and TV schedules Lecturing obsessively on many deceptive levels Transgressive intellectuals, progressive professionals Press on with the message, suppressing the sense of your choice Select from the ballot a same voice With respect, fair and balanced Make sure you elect them to challenge Fake frauds reinforcing the narrative No, I don't need the globalist elite No, I don't speak to the globalist elite They're total overreach, the globalist elite They're psychopathic freaks, the globalist elite